All right, uh, there are sermon notes in your bulletin. I hope you will pull those out and we can uh, look at them together. We, as you know, we, many of you, if you're a if you're a guest with us, we have been in the Gospel of John throughout 2019. We started uh, the second Sunday of January, and we've been making our way uh, through this Gospel, uh, a ch- um, sections at a time, chapters at a time. Uh, today, we are looking at John chapter 17, uh, looking at this whole uh, section together. This is Jesus' prayer. And that Jesus prayed uh, a lot of different times. I uh, listed for you on the outline. Uh, the Bible records 19 specific instances of Jesus praying. And you can see all those listed there from the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Luke, and in John where we are. Uh, I listed all those there because it might be an opportunity for you to spend a little time looking into the prayer life of Jesus. Uh, maybe how to enhance your own prayer life by reading these various passages that can take you into the heart of Jesus and his, his prayer life. Uh, our focus this morning is on John 17. John 17 is one of the greatest chapters in the Bible and certainly one of the most treasured. It has been called the Holy of Holies of sacred scripture. And so it's Jesus' prayer. He is revealing his inner heart, his soul in this final public prayer to the Father as he steps into the night and onto the cross. Uh, We've seen that this section of scripture is the last night before Jesus is headed to the cross. Uh, We will be moving there pretty quickly in the next, uh, throughout October, looking at the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. One quote from Philip Melanchthon, he said, there is no voice which has ever been heard, either in heaven or on earth, more exalted, more holy, more fruitful, more sublime than the prayer offered up by the Son of God himself. It's the Lord's own heartfelt prayer, and it's his prayer for us. It's amazing. It is the longest recorded prayer in the scripture, both in length and in span. What that means is it's the longest prayer uh, recorded is 26 verses here, but it's the longest in span because it goes all the way from the night Jesus prayed it till today. It's still applicable today because he's praying for us, praying for us as we reach out and draw near to him. So as we look at this, um, this chapter is like an ocean of truth. Um, and I feel like I got this gallon bucket and I'm trying to show you the ocean. Um, that's, not, that's not really a great thing. Uh, but it is amazing to look at what Jesus has to say here as, as he is praying. So we're going to look at the vastness of this. John 17, like a holy of holies. Uh, we would say that or describe that because that is a picture of in the temple when the uh, priest would go into the holy of holies to make sacrifice for the people. It was such a holy place because God's presence was there was there. John 17 is a chapter like that. It's Jesus' prayer for us. And as you start looking at this chapter, uh, I just want you to, to have a sense of God's presence. I mean, think about Jesus praying for you. 
Jesus praying uh, for us. It's a, such an incredible privilege to receive this prayer, to be able to sit and to read a prayer like this of Jesus. It's a prayer all about God's glory, about his holiness and what happens in our lives. And just like the priest was enter into the temple where God's presence was, Jesus himself enters into God's presence and prays for you and me. The sense of this prayer is that it's a very holy place. And we come together to listen uh, to Jesus. As we're thinking about that, he, he really prays for three key things. Number one, uh, he prays for himself. That teaches us that it's, it's okay to pray for yourself. Jesus did. He prayed for himself that he would be glorified. And we know that God answered that prayer. Uh, secondly, he prayed for his disciples that they would be protected and sanctified uh, 11 of them are left. He prays that they would be protected. And then Jesus prays for the church. He prays for us that we would be uh, unified, that the church would come together as one uh, for all time, for himself, for his disciples, for us. The circle of his prayer gets wider and wider. He starts with himself and then he widens the circle a little further to include his disciples and then he widens it further to embrace all of those that will follow him through the disciples and who the church will become. So he's got these three points, but it's not really just kind of three points. It's like a, it's like a symphony. It's not like a term paper where we're just reading about Jesus' prayer. It's like a symphony that has all kind of movements and themes. We have the theme of God's glory, the theme of, God, of our growth together, the theme of unity, the theme of reaching the world, the theme of uh, him praying for us. So important. He loves them. He loves us so much that he prays. Uh, for us. So uh, we look at part one. We look at Jesus as he prays for himself. Right away, it says, and after this, he looked toward heaven. Bless you, by the way. After this, he said, uh, sorry. Um, he looked toward heaven and prayed. So notice right away that this prayer is going to be incredible. He said, after he said this, um, that he pray after what? Well, after all this other stuff that he's been talking about at night in John 14, he says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives I give unto you. Uh, he said in John 15, I am the vine and you are the branches. He said in 16, love one another as I have loved you. He's been teaching us about the Holy Spirit, teaching about, about prayer, and he taught them about the Father's love. So he says, after all this, after he had taught, he prayed. That's, that's pretty good teaching, right? After the teaching, then the, the prayer. Uh, why do we do that? We do that because we need to apply what is happening. Uh, I noticed that a lot of times I can, I can spend a long time, let's say an hour, hour and 15 minutes talking to somebody. We're working on an issue. We're talking together about it, trying to figure it out. But I always know we have to pray. We join hands and we pray. I've done it literally thousands of times because Jesus shows it's not just enough for us to talk. We got to ask him to apply it. Ask him to. Uh, so he said, after he taught, then he prayed. 
Jesus also reveals something about posture in prayer. It says he looked toward heaven and prayed. Uh, now, most of you, um, I glanced up to notice as I was praying today, most of you had your head bowed. Most of you had your eyes closed. Some of you even had your hands folded or, or were joined hands with a loved one next to you. Um, Jesus didn't pray that way in this particular moment. As a matter of fact, for the Jews, it would have been common for them to look up to heaven and pray. Uh, what it reminded me of is that there are a lot of different postures in prayer. I, I remember meeting this, this girl named Sharon. Uh, I was uh, encouraging her actually uh, over a period of time, led her to the Lord. And then as she was growing in the Lord, she kept saying how the struggle she was having with her prayer time. And I don't know why I said this, but I thought, well, what's, what's your posture like? And she's like, my posture? I said, yeah, like, but, like what are you doing? And, uh, and she described how she prayed. And uh, I said, well, what if, what if you knelt? You know, maybe that would just be, give you a focus on prayer. You know, changing postures can change your prayers. You know, changing your, that if you do the same thing all the time, uh, change, you know, I talk to you about postures here, right? Some of the postures that we think about, um, but just change it. Maybe instead of bowing your head, just, just look up. You know, I pray uh, many times in our car and I'm glad Kim doesn't have to close her eyes as she's driving. That would not work out uh, very, very well, right? Uh, you don't necessarily have to have your eyes. It's about your posture toward God, your openness uh, toward him. So that's one of the things it says here. And then it says Jesus prayed out loud. So that's how we know what was in his heart, what was in his soul. That's how the disciples knew what he prayed. It wasn't just his, the Holy Spirit, him praying silently. It was a spoken thing uh, that they heard exactly what, what he said. So we have this prayer from Jesus. So, so where's the answer to Jesus' prayer? Well, I would tell you, I believe that we are the answer to Jesus' prayer. However you look at these three steps. So we are the answer to Jesus' prayer when four things happen. So here's number one. Number one is that God is getting the glory. This answer is, is, comes when God is getting the glory in our lives. We have to um, be a part of answering Jesus' prayer. And he talks about this idea of glory. He mentions it eight different times in this prayer. He's talking about God's glory. Glory is uh, the way that God uses us to glorify himself, to exalt himself. So what does, what does glory, glory or glorified mean? Well, it's a, it's a display, displaying God's worth, God's greatness, God's power, God's goodness uh, in our life. You know, it brings it out into the open. It's a proclamation of how great God is, how great Christ is, where we want to show people in our life just what he was talking about, the extent that Christ has gone to to reach you, the extent that he has gone to to reach mankind. He says, I'm glorified myself. Uh, showing God's greatness through him. Jesus wants to show his glory uh, for us. He wants to show the glory of God for us. He wants to show the glory of God to us. And he wants to show the glory of God through us. Uh, so he is seeking to uh, display his glory. He shows glory on the cross. He died for us. 
In, the, in this verse, he says, glorify your son. He's talking about getting ready to go to the cross. You know, for the next month, beginning next Sunday all the way through October, we're going to focus nothing more than the cross and the resurrection. Uh, don't, don't miss this coming month. I mean, we're going to walk through all the details of the crucifixion and Christ is glorified. And then on the 20th, we're going to have what we call cross day. You're going to see this room, this, um, this church decorated with lots of crosses. And then you know what we're going to have on the 27th? It's going to be Resurrection Day. It's not Easter. It's Resurrection Day uh, that we're going to celebrate together. I'll talk to you more about that. But that's what he's highlighting here. He's encouraging uh, him to be exalted and glorified through the cross that he's given. How do we show God glory? We show God glory. We express glory to God. We show his greatness by our obedience to him. Our obedience to him, God's kind of obedience, obedience that comes out of love and because we know who he is. The disciples heard Jesus say, Father, glorify yourself by showing your glory through me. Um, it's the only way that it could happen because Jesus was being obedient unto death, Philippians 2 tells, and the greater our obedience, the more glory we offer to God. Isn't that true? You know, we don't stand by quietly. We let our lives demonstrate that God is awesome, that God is worthy, that God is great and good, right? Who else is going to be telling that? You think I'm the only one? I don't think so. That you would demonstrate through your life that God is glorified. That's what Jesus is praying for himself and encouraging us. So uh, how, do, how do you know that you're giving God glory? Well, I gave you one sentence here. Giving glory to God in a sentence is, I did everything God gave me to do. I gave everything God gave me to do. That's exactly what Jesus says. I did exactly what the Father had revealed to me. So whatever God is, you know, you're not gonna reveal God's greatness through money or fame or pleasure but nothing is greater than living a life that brings glory to God. And so he's reminding us of his glory. Uh, he mentions in verse 2, he says, You granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those who have given him. Those you have given him. This is eternal life that you may know you, the, true, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Um, note, notice the definition of eternal life. Maybe you think eternal life is going to heaven. That that's when eternal life begins. I don't think he mentions a thing about that. He says that eternal life is knowing Christ. The passage defines eternal life. It's not how long you live. It's not how you live, it's who you live for and your relationship to him, with him. That's eternal life. Do you know eternal life is happening right now? It's happening right now because as I know Christ, that is the beginning of eternal life. That doesn't mean this is heaven, but it means that I have a relationship with the almighty God that we have a real relationship uh, with him. So he's talking about uh, eternal life. Uh, he continues on. He goes from praying for himself to part two, that he prays for his disciples. This is such an interesting way that he prays. So he's talking to the father and he's praying for his disciples. And if you notice in this scripture, the first thing that he does is that he lists off things that he has done or given 
to the disciples. Uh, so he's mentioned that he said, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They are yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given them comes from God. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. Notice his prayer is he says, Father, here's the stuff I've done. Here's what I've done. I've revealed uh, you to them. I'm praying for them because I taught them to obey your word. I showed them everything that comes from you. I gave them words that you gave me and they believe. And so I pray for them. He says, God, you know, he doesn't start out saying, okay, God, this is what I, this father, this is what I want you to do for them. He first of all says, these are the things that I have offered to them already. You know, when you pray for somebody that doesn't know the Lord, uh, maybe you could tell God, okay, here's some things I've already, I've already done. I've been sharing the word with them. I've been encouraging them. So I pray that you would take all those things and apply them to their life. Apply them so that they would be responsive uh, to you. So you're not asking God to do all the work. You're saying, God, I'm willing to be a witness. I'm willing to glorify you and express that in the life of somebody else. These are the things I've done. Would you do the rest of the work? Because there's only so much that I am able to do. So Jesus prayed. Uh, he says, these are the things that I've done and these are the things that I want. Now, now he prays and another second way that we can uh, respond and be an answer to the prayer is that we live, we are living in security. So Jesus is praying for the security and the protection of these disciples. He says, they're in a tough world. I'm asking you to protect them. While I was with them, I protected them. I kept them safe by the name that you gave me. None of them have been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture might be fulfilled. You know, he's talking about Judas there. He said, now I'm leaving, Father, and I pray that you would protect them by the power of your name. It's so important to notice, see, we're thinking about what is the heart of Jesus? What's really important to him? Notice what he doesn't pray for. He doesn't say, I pray that you would separate them out from the world. You know what Jesus could have done? He could have started a monastery right there, right? He could have started that where he separated them out, but he didn't, he didn't pray for that. He says that they would be protected within the world. I mean, a lot of times we get it wrong as believers and almost feel like that we should be separated from the world. I know churches that teach be separated from the world. Uh, you notice here many times when we have the benediction, I'll say, okay, what are we going to do now? Let's get out of here. Let's get out of this room and go make a difference in the world, believing that God is going to protect us and watch over us. Jesus prays for that. Uh, he didn't pray for them to be separated, but he did pray that they would be protected. Why did he do that? Um, because if we're supposed to be light in the world, how are we going to light, be light unless we're there? How are we going to be sought in the world if we're not participating uh, with others around us in the world? Jesus prays for us. He doesn't pray that we'd be taken out of the world. We might wish he did. But he prays that we'd be protected and distinctive within the world. How's that going to come about? How does that security happen? How's he going to protect us? First of all, he says, by the power of your name. 
by the power of your name. He prays for your protection and he asks you to do it on the basis of his name. You know, when our kids were at home, they're probably like, a lot like your kids. And they, uh, they constantly called our name. Like, uh, you know, it's mom, 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 all day long, every day, right? Or dad, dad, dad. Uh, they're, they're always calling you. Every little problem, every little thing that goes on. Am I, am I telling the truth? I mean, it's just like, it just drives you crazy. You know, I noticed that our kids don't, don't wait and maybe talk to you in the morning and then keep a little notebook where they write down everything that they need. And at the end of the day, they'll say, okay, I got 27 things here, you know, that I need your help with. No, they call your name right then, right? That's what he's saying. How are you going to be protected in the world? You call on God's name, not just in a little prayer in the morning or, or something that you do, but all, do you talk to God all day long? That's, that's our relationship with him. Just like your mom and dad, he's our father. He's the Lord of our life. And we call on him all the time because the protection is, okay, you see what's happening right here. I need a little help. I need, I need, I need you now. So we're constantly, so I, I know you get irritated when you think all that happens at home, but God asks you to be protected by calling on his name, calling on his name. He gives us protection uh, from uh, the world, protection from the world. Um, remember a few weeks ago, we talked about what world means in the gospel of John. He's not just talking about creation. He's talking about the world system that goes on around us, whatever is opposite the direction of God's will in our life. Jesus prays at the end of John 16. We saw last week where he says, I have overcome the world. Uh, there's a strong tie between that verse and this prayer. I have overcome the world, he says. And then 19 times in this prayer, he uses the word world. And he talks to us about how he wants to help us to overcome the world, which he has already accomplished for us. He prays that that would happen uh, in your life. So Jesus talks, are you excited about this prayer? I thought, man, I got to catch my breath here. I'm excited about you realizing that God through Christ is praying for you, praying for you, for your, for your safety, for your protection from, from your help in the midst of the world. Verse 15 said, uh, it isn't that they're taken out of the world, but they're protected from the world. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they're not of the world any more than I am of the world. I mean, what, what's he talking about here? Why would, why would the world have any hatred uh, toward us? It's because we have the word of God, because we have the truth. You know, we're not trying to, um, you know, disrespect any people around us what we're trying to do is be obedient to the word of God in our life you know we don't do everything the world does amen we don't just um, mix in and decide that we're just going to do everything that the world says we, uh, we, that they can do or we that we could do the choices that we can make no we we take a stand believing that God wants us to live a righteous life a life that would bring honor to him. And a lot of times people don't like Christians because of what we stand for and who we are. Uh, he says that he protects us uh, from the world. 
Uh, in John 16, he tells us he overcame the world. He prays that we would overcome the world. And then how is this protection going to be lived out? He says, he protects you from the world that you may be one that we may be one. Jesus prayed for our protection so that there could be unity and it shows up, uh, shows the world what he is like. I'm going to come back to this idea uh, of unity in just a moment. Uh, a third way that we see him calling out for uh, his prayer for us is that we are being sanctified. We are being sanctified by him. He is desiring us to know what it means to be sanctified. He tells us in the scripture, sanctify them by the truth. Sanctify them by the truth. Uh, such an important word for us. The word sanctification uh, means God's transformation of our heart through complete surrender to him that allows us to live a Christ-like life and to be used by and for God. We surrender everything to him and God transforms our heart, helping us to live in a way that would honor him. How, do, how does that come about? How does he sanctify us? Uh, he says, sanctify them by the truth. Sanctify them by the truth. It means that we listen to the word of God, that the word of God brings transformation to us. Uh, it allows us uh, to welcome God's purpose and presence in our life. He wants us to be sanctified, to be set apart, to be completely surrendered to him so that he can use us fully and completely for his glory. You know, when I let him use me to show himself to the world, uh, that sanctification work that he wants to do with us. Jesus shows us clearly that sanctification isn't just about uh, something external. It's this work of God inside of us, shaping us to be more and more uh, like Christ. You wonder, what should your character be like? Like Jesus. What should your, how should your, your life be developing the character that you had? He says that we would be sanctified, sanctified by the truth. Um, you know, the word of God is absolutely amazing. It, it's going to draw us to God and shape us into who he wants us to be so that we learn the word, we love the word, we live out the word of, uh, the word of God. And he says that you'll be sanctified not only by the truth, but by Jesus' sacrifice. That's where he's headed. For their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they too may be truly sanctified. He's moving toward the cross. He's, he's offering himself up for all of us. And he's encouraging us and challenging us. You know, what motivates us to love Christ? What motivates us to be change agents in the world around us? It's because of this incredible sacrifice that he has offered to every one of us. Jesus died for you. Jesus sacrificed himself for you. It's not just something that you believe. It's something that you're transformed by and allows you to live out this relationship with him. Being sanctified is recognizing this incredible work that Christ has done for us and it moves you to want to surrender it moves you to lay down your life for him. It moves you to not do things on the basis of duty or because somebody told you that was the way it was. Your heart is changed and you long for him. You love him. Be sanctified by his truth of the word and by his sacrifice. Finally, uh, part three, Jesus prays for future disciples, his church. That's all of y'all. That's all of us. That's the billions of people across the world 
that have come to know Christ are still coming to know Christ, know Christ today or know him until he returns. Uh, he's encouraging us. He said, you know, notice Jesus prayed for us and Jesus continues to pray for us. Romans 8, 34 says, Christ Jesus who died more than that was raised to life is at the right hand of God is also interceding for us. What a scripture. It reminds us that Jesus is in constant involvement in your life, helping you, encouraging you. He, he calls us to this, to this spirit of unity. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, talking about the 11. My prayer is for those who will believe in me through their message. Uh, he's encouraging us. He's, he's inviting us to come together in unity. Man, it's so important that we be unified in the church, right? Now, he's not just talking about here. He's talking about the church of Jesus Christ across uh, the world. You know, a lot of people struggle with this one, you know, that um, wondering about denominations and if they're divisive, but they don't have to be. You know, um, I, I notice when I meet somebody, it happens, you know, pretty often, uh, come into contact with somebody, we'll be having a conversation. And do, do you notice when this happens to you that you can begin to have a feel that this person is a believer before you even know for sure, right? That spirit of Jesus in me starts connecting with them. You know, I don't have this radar that says they must be Nazarene <laughs> or they must be Presbyterian. You know, that, nothing in the Bible talks about that, but it does talk about this connection that Jesus brings uh, to us. Man, we get all wrapped up about these different groups and names and all that stuff. You know, I love the Church of the Nazarene, been in it since I was very little, and serve the Lord. I intend to be in the Church of the Nazarene my whole life. I believe in the message. I believe what we're right, but I can't get caught up in what I love about Nazarene that would cause me to be in disunity with other people that love Jesus. If people love Jesus, we ought to be together, right? That, that should be us. You, you hear me all the time in here, right? Praying for the other churches in our community. Praying, that's sincere. I, I want... I want these places that are exalting Jesus. Now, I know there's some that are here or there or whatever, but I just don't get involved. I'm not the judge. All I want to do is love Jesus and serve him and be a place that's exalting him. So are there differences? Sure, there might be some. But for the most part, if we just focused on loving Christ, we'd end up in unity rather than kind of focusing on our own, you know, our own little favorite, uh, favorite thing. I hope... I, I love that. Uh, I love that about us, uh, that I think that's a call for us. Jesus' definition of unity uh, was not that everybody thought the same. Everybody saw it the same way. His definition of unity was just as you are in me and I'm in you. And so the connection with Jesus is, is what brings us uh, together in, in true unity, not just some kind of external or some kind of true, you know, the, the cause of disunity in Christianity and really throughout history is that we fell in love with our own kind of ecclesiastical organization or liturgy rather than really focusing on Jesus. I'm in love with Jesus. How about you? That's his call. That's his challenge to us. So what, what's the whole point here? 
The whole point is that Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for you. It's mind-boggling that Jesus would be praying for all of us. I mean, think about the numbers of people and the numbers of situations and circumstances. What what is he trying to show? What is he demonstrating? What he's demonstrating is the impact, the full extent that Jesus is willing to go to get you into eternal life, a relationship with him, and to get you to heaven. Man, he, he has gone way above, right? First thing we know is that he's in heaven and he comes as in the incarnation, which means he, he came down and was walking among us. Being a, he did that for you. Then he goes to a cross, taking your sin and shame upon that. No other way for you to be brought in right relationship with God All that had been happening since the garden. Now Jesus comes and takes the whole weight of that for you, for me. Then he comes and he prays for us. He sits at the right hand of the father and he's praying on your behalf. Isn't it the most astounding thing that whatever's happening in your life, that Jesus is praying for you, that he's involved in your service. I think sometimes that we, we think that this is our response to him. You know, we say all the time, God loves you. And almost like, you know, God loves you and God did all this for you. So you better straighten up. I mean, you just need to get with it, right? I mean, because really the weight is now on you. He did his part and now the weight's on me. It is not. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that it's gonna be difficult for you to live this life on your, on your own. And you can make these decisions and you put your trust in him, but you're going to need him all the time. And he knows that. And so he's praying for you. It's one of the most exciting things in the Bible, isn't it? That God is praying for us. He didn't just die on the cross and say, good luck. I hope things go well for you. Not a chance. He's involved with you every day of your life. All the things that are happening in your life. Now, some of y'all, you might call me. I get this text, Pastor, pray for me. And, and, and I do. And we get prayer requests and we pray for all of them. But the most exciting thing of all is that Jesus is praying. Jesus has got involved. He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to help you. I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm praying for you, uh, believing that you're going to, you're going to need my help and I'm going to encourage you. He wants, you know what he wants? He wants you to live for him now, receive his help and let him walk with you all the way into heaven. He wants to get you to heaven. He's not hoping that the pastor gets you there. He's not hoping that somebody kind of drags you along there. Nope. He's involved to get you to heaven. Wow. It's really quiet in here, but I, man, our, um, our band is coming back um, because I want them to sing this song. And this, this song at the end basically is saying, how do you, how do you maintain this focus? How do you maintain um, this? How do you remember what God is up to in your life? Because it's so easy to get distracted, right? So this song says, uh, it's called Fade Away. 
Uh, fade away. Uh, it says, uh, okay, the ending of it is, is something that we know well. It's called, um, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You know, he's talking about glory. Um, so how do, you, how do you remember you call on his name all the time? You reach out to him in prayer and you remember that God is praying for you. So the, the song says, um, speak to me. You're the only voice I want to hear. Walk with me. Show me who you are as I draw near. Here's the chorus. If you're not in it, I don't want it. Let all else fade away. Take the whole world, but give me Jesus. Let all else fade away. You guys can get started. Um, what I want you to do is to think about these words. Then when we get to turn your eyes upon Jesus, we're going to stand and sing that together. I want you to realize that this journey that you're on is not simply up to you. It is not how well do I perform? How, you know, he's calling us to a level of obedience, but you are not alone. He is in you through his spirit. He is working on your life through his word. He is encouraging and challenging you, but you will never be alone. When you decide to walk away from him, he will chase you down. Amen? Haven't you been chased down? He will not leave you alone. He simply wants you to focus your attention on him. Let these other things in your life that are distracting, fade away and put your trust in him because he is taking you to a place that he's prepared for us and he will not let you down. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Let's sing this.
want to just look into the heart of Jesus and what he's praying about uh, for you. How about uh, just our voices? Could we, could we sing that? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Just, just our voices together. Ready? So turn, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Lord Jesus, thank you for praying for us. We today pray that you would, you would help us to maybe make a shift today from just working so hard to try to do all that we can. We're not saying we're not supposed to be obedient, but Lord, help us to realize that when we focus on you, we can be united. But most of all, we can be in what you described as eternal life with God. Help us to look full in your wonderful face and let the things of the world fade away as we take this journey. We thank you, Lord, for being with us now, for promising to be with us every moment, for being so willing to pray for us to realize the extent that you have gone, not just simply on a cross, as amazing as that is, but you're still involved all the way till the day you return and take us to heaven. We celebrate you, we worship you, we thank you for your presence in this service, Lord. Change us as we hear your voice praying for us. In Jesus' name, everybody said together, amen, amen.